the Bethany Covenant Church Sermon Podcast. We are a multi-generational community in Berlin, Connecticut. Our services are held Sundays at 9.30 a.m., and you can find out more about us at www.bethanycovenant.org. Well, good morning. I want to add my own words of welcome to you, those who are here in person, those joining online. We're glad you're with us. If you have been with us for the past few weeks, you know that we have been centering our time in the words of Jesus to his friends, the disciples, delivered in Matthew's gospel just at the end of his book in Matthew 28, that passage we call the Great Commission. We've been looking there, and then right alongside those words, we've been looking at the vision statement of Bethany Covenant Church, looking at how in this time, in this place, this church is choosing to live out that mission that Jesus has given us. And this morning, we come to the conclusion of this series. This series based on Jesus' words to his friends when he said, you need to be disciples who are going and making more disciples. Go and make disciples, baptize people, and teach everyone to follow the commands that I have given you. And we know that so many of these commands that Jesus gave his friends and gives us are anchored in selfless, sacrificial service and love to our neighbors around us. Because we know that there are tremendous needs all around us. People are experiencing physical needs, emotional, intellectual, deep spiritual needs. And while Jesus never calls us to be anyone's savior, to fully fulfill anyone's needs, he does call us to serve with love in his name. To live lives that by their very actions point to Jesus as the one true savior of all. And so as we began this series a few weeks ago, we began by focusing on the evangelistic heartbeat of our mission as a church. We explored our co-mission as disciples together, pondering what it means for us to be a church that's always intentionally inviting more people to know God, to come to know God through a relationship with his son, Jesus Christ. That's the first part of our vision statement at Bethany. Then the following, following week, we looked at the second element as we took a deep dive into discipleship and considered together what it means for us to be individuals, to be a church that is inspiring people to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. And then last week, Pastor Di- Diane reminded us that we've committed ourselves together as a church to always be involving people in service to their neighbors. And we heard from Rob Satterberg, the leader of our mission and social action team, about ways that we can be involved here locally, that we can be involved in service in places like Berlin and Hartford and New Britain. And this morning, we continue our focus on what it means to be inviting more and more people to join us in serving our neighbors, not only those who are near us, but even those who are far away. Because we know that Jesus calls us to serve our neighbors, to show the love of God to them. And we'll hear in Acts 1 that it's obvious that Jesus doesn't intend for us only to think about those people that we naturally bump into. Maybe those literal neighbors down the street or those people in our workplaces. Jesus teaches that when we think about our neighbors around the world, our mentality is never meant to be out of sight, out of mind. Our passage this morning comes from the opening verses of the book of Acts, 
Acts was written by Luke, the same one who wrote the gospel of that name. And we hear in the opening verses that he, he makes mention of his earlier book, and that's the gospel of Luke, where he laid out the, the life and teachings of Jesus. And then Luke dives right into the story of Jesus' final words to his disciples before he ascended to heaven. So let me read for us Acts 1, verses 1 through 8. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so we see here that when Jesus gathered with his friends and they began to ask about details about the future, he deflected the conversation and instead focused their attention on their mission. Jesus had commissioned them earlier to go, to make disciples, to baptize, and to teach. And here in Acts 1, he now deputizes his disciples and sends them out to Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And there are some Bible scholars who have said if, if you look at that pattern, that Jesus lays out there in this prediction and in this commission to his disciples, it's basically an outline of the rest of the book of Acts. If you look at how the church begins to spread and have influence and impact, if you were to chart out where and when churches were planted and map out the missionary journeys of Paul and his friends, you would see exactly this pattern of expanding circles and expansion, this movement from Jerusalem out into Judea and Samaria and then begin to flow out to the ends of the earth. Jesus told his friends to begin in Jerusalem. He's saying, start where you are. Bloom where you're planted. Begin where God has placed you. Jesus makes it clear that his followers are always, are always meant to have an impact in their immediate vicinity. And so for us as followers of Jesus, it's a reminder that we're never meant to leapfrog from where we are over to a place where maybe we'd rather be, or where, maybe where it's easier to serve, or where we have a particular passion. We know God places places on our hearts to serve, but God always intends for his church to have an impact, to make a difference right where it finds itself. As someone new on the scene here at Bethany, it's been really interesting for me to begin to, to learn a bit about the history of this congregation, to hear about um, how it was a, a pretty significant move, a big deal to relocate from New Britain here to Berlin. And it's been encouraging for me to hear people with a passion who have said, 
you know, even though we physically relocated from that place, uh, it's not like we're abandoning New Britain. We still want to continue to have uh, an impact there, and I appreciate that. But I'm especially excited to, to learn about opportunities to, to serve right outside our doors, to think about imp- reaching and impacting and, and getting to know our newer neighbors, to get to know families from this area, to be intentional to make sure our impact begins here in Berlin, even as we continue to draw from a wide regional area of Connecticut, even as we continue to have a deep and broad impact in the region. We start where we are, believing and trusting that God has us here for a purpose. God actually has a strategic plan for us in this time and in this place. And this is true for our congregation. It's true for each of us as disciples wherever we find ourselves. That God has a plan for us to shine as light in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in our workplaces. God calls us not to overlook our literal neighbors as we think about loving and serving our neighbors. And so, yes, this means, this means even them, even those people down the street that maybe we don't know yet, or maybe we know and we'd rather not get to know better because it's hard to get to know them, or we feel like we have differences. This means even them, even those people uh, ahead of the last election whose yard signs make it clear that we have our political differences. Maybe even them, those neighbors down the street whose families are, families are configured differently than ours are, whose values seem to be different than ours. Jesus said, start where you are. Begin in Jerusalem, but then begin to spread out, spread out, flow out into Judea, into the surrounding countryside. And so for us, this might mean, yes, pay attention to Berlin, but then be aware for opportunities in in Hartford County, in Middlesex County. Be aware of what God is doing around you. Don't be so laser focused on the tree in front of us that we miss the forest. And so as we ask even them, The answer again is yes, even those city folks, even those country folks, even those arch rivals, even people who live on the other side of the river, even them. And so here as we think about the region where God has placed us, we think that we think about our neighbors who are close to us geographically, but maybe have different demographics, different socioeconomic situations. Spread out into Judea, Jesus said. Be aware of those neighbors a bit further down the road. And then Jesus really ups the challenge because he tells his disciples, and then go into Samaria. And I imagine that as they heard that instruction, it almost sounded like like a dirty word to them because Samaria was a place where most Jews would, would not go at all. They would avoid like the plague. This was the, the place where people had it all wrong when it came to religion. Samaria was the place where those, those distant, weird cousins lived. They had some background association with them, some common history, but the Samaritans were the ones who over time had reached so many different conclusions on so many different important topics. And it's clear from the Gospels that in Jesus' time, Samaritans were looked down on by the Jews, even despised. 
And it's clear as well that the feeling was often mutual. And yet we see in the Gospels that it was a Samaritan woman whom Jesus talked to. A Samaritan woman to whom Jesus offered living water. Whom Jesus inspired to go and be an evangelist back in her community where where she had been an outcast. It was a Samaritan who becomes the hero and the role model of the story that Pastor Dan taught about last week, the story that Jesus used to illustrate what it means to actually love our neighbors. It was the Samaritan among 10 lepers healed by Jesus who came back to thank Jesus and to give glory to God. And so we see in the Gospels that the boundary line between Jews and Samaritans was one that Jesus continually challenged. He chipped away at it. He eroded it. In fact, Jesus blurred that boundary line so badly, it's clear that he was on a mission to eliminate it. And so it's no surprise that he was explicit as he told his friends, go into Samaria. Yes, even them. And so it's the same answer for us. And here as we think about loving our neighbors that aren't quite so close to us, this isn't so much a geographic distinction as it is perhaps a theological or cultural one. Jesus makes it clear our mission isn't just go out and keep finding people who who think the same way you do. Jesus makes it clear we're called to cross cultural boundaries, not to ignore them, not to pretend those differences don't exist, but to challenge the assumption that cultural differences will always mean that we can't be together. Jesus was willing to go onto Samaritan turf, to go onto their turf when it came to crossing cultural boundaries. And so for us, going into Samaria will mean the same. And as we do so, as we cross cultural boundaries and have those conversations, we'll need to do it with with awareness, with sensitivity, with humility. We'll have to keep in mind those words from James that we heard this morning, that we should be slow to speak and quick to listen. Jesus sends his disciples to Jerusalem to spread out into Judea, to cross boundaries even into Samaria. And then he uses this this terrific catch-all phrase. He says, and then go to the ends of the earth. It's as if he's saying, okay, when you get somewhere, if you can keep on going, if there are more people who need to experience the love of God and hear the good news of the gospel, then go to them as well. Keep on going until you no longer find people who can be loved and served in the name of Christ. And so that's what the church did. It continued to spread into the corners of the known world at that time. And then as the maps of the world continued to be filled in, the church also continued to expand. Now I think it's important for us to to pause and to recognize that that expansion of the church, as we look at our history, was sometimes marked by painful and harmful misdirection. There were times when the expansion of the church was accomplished through, through partnership with political powers that were bent on colonization and suppression. And so as we look at the history of global expansion of the church, we, we know that it's been a complicated and often rocky one. We know there were times when some elements of the church lost mission focus. 
lost a sense of, of being doggedly committed to humble, sacrificial service modeled after Jesus Christ. But there were bright moments as well in the history of the church, and plenty of them. Moments when the church shined, living out the, the call of Christ to, to share the light and love of Jesus, to bring healing and wholeness in new places. And our mission as the church hasn't changed since Acts chapter 1. Our mission is still to go to the ends of the earth, to discover places and people where God's love has not yet fully been revealed or taken effect. And so the answer, answer for our church is yes, even them, as we consider people who have not yet heard the word of God, people who have not, for example, had the Bible translated into their own language, people whom missiologists would call unreached people groups. Now, as you hear that term, unreached people groups, maybe your mind automatically goes to, to places like a deep jungle or, or a barren tundra. But really, as, as people who are studying Christianity around the world now point out, those unreached people groups are everywhere. They're in places where even Christianity has a, a deep history. I think of places like Europe, where there's a deep and rich history of Christian influence, but where now Christianity, Christianity might be um, reduced to even a faint echo compared to its former status. We think about people living in what's called a post-Christian world, which increasingly describes our own situation in the United States. And we think about the fact that uh, with globalization and immigration, having an impact to the ends of the earth sometimes means looking around us and seeing who has come from the remotest places to our doorstep. We think about international students and others uh, where we can have an impact to the uttermost ends of the earth right where we are. And so as the world gets smaller, it's easier for us to connect with and have an impact with brothers and sisters and neighbors from faraway places. And that's important because Jesus reminds us as his followers that when it comes to our neighbors, it's never out of sight, out of mind. And so how can we do that? How can we make sure that as we're thinking about serving our neighbors, we're not only thinking of those who are physically with us? Well, I think we can do three things. First, we can go. Yes, we can go down our street and introduce ourselves to those neighbors we've never met. We have opportunities to go deeper into our region and think about where God might be using our gifts to call us to serve and have an impact here in our area. We'll have opportunities to go to learn as we form relationships, to maybe blur the lines of, of being those who serve and those who receive service as we form partnerships in ministry and learn even as we teach. And there will be opportunities for us, for some of us at times, to go to those more far-flung places. I appreciate how Bethany has uh, a focus on mission and ministry that begins right here in Berlin but does extend across the globe. We form partnerships with food shelves here and we send teams to Ecuador. We're always thinking both and. And so whether it's down the street or through another continent, we do have opportunities to go. We also have opportunities to send. We join in mission partnerships with missionaries 
And we don't just send them, but we support them. We stay connected to them. We partner with them. We form relationships with them. We send as we support those who go on short-term mission trips. As we come alongside those who are consecrated as, as full-time missionaries. I think of, of Gary Carlson, who even here at Bethany sensed that call of God to go serve in Japan. We send our youth, we send one another into mission near and far. And we always have opportunities to pray. Sometimes we go, often we send, continually we may pray. We pray for our missionaries around the world. We pray for our mission and ministry partners here in Connecticut. We pray as we send teams to the Hartford Project. We pray for those who week in, week out are serving in ministry on the front lines here in Hartford and in other cities and towns across the region. We pray for the people impacted by those ministries. We pray for each other as brothers and sisters as we say, tomorrow, Monday morning, we're going to go. We're going to go to schools and workplaces where we're sent as ambassadors by God to share the love and good news of Jesus Christ. We pray that God would be at work in us, growing us and shaping us and molding us to be more effective in reflecting the glory of his son, Jesus. This morning, we have an opportunity to hear a recorded video update from a missionary couple who has gone and whom we have sent and for whom we pray. Gary and Pauline Carlson have served as covenant missionaries in Japan for over 30 years, and so I invite you to take a look at this message from them. Gary and Pauline, it's great to be with you and to see you again. Thanks for joining us. And um, as I gave you a little bit of background about our day today, we've been talking together about how Christ sends us uh, right down the street to our near neighbors, but also to the uttermost parts of the earth, to those neighbors who are far away. And we realize that as a church, sometimes that means we go, like we go ourselves long-term or short-term to the uttermost places. Sometimes it means we send people um, as mission partners, as we have done with missionaries like you. And sometimes it means, or hopefully always it means, we are praying uh, for those uh, both who serve and are served across the globe. So I'd love to just kind of anchor our time to, today on those three words of go, send, and pray. So I want to ask you, when did you first hear the Holy Spirit nudging you go? that you would be called and sent uh, as a missionary? Well, I guess that starts with me. I grew up at Bethany Covenant Church, and that's been my home church uh, all these years. Um, when I was in junior high school in confirmation class at Bethany, uh, through that experience, I felt in a conversation with the pastor, a call to be a pastor myself, uh, only at the age of 13. And uh, Bethany supported me in that. Um, but I got to North Park and for the first time uh, in the college there, uh, met missionary kids from a variety of countries, played soccer with many of them. And uh, God opened up my eyes to think about being a pastor in another country. So that was um, the start of my call. I went to Japan in 1975 to be a one-year short-term missionary. And during that year, felt very strongly a desire to go back, for God to send me back to Japan as a missionary, a long-term missionary, and prayed for that. And during that year, 
God confirmed that call and the missionaries there, the senior missionaries affirmed that and people back at Bethany also were excited to support me in that. When I got done with that year in Japan, I got back to North Park and I met this cute blonde from Minnesota. <laughs> yes, I grew up in a covenant church in Southern Minnesota and through growing up in that church and through youth group, um, I started feeling a call to ministry, but I had no interest in missions at that point. But when I went to North Park, I met missionary kids. I met uh, people that had gone out for a year of short-term missions. And I thought, well, maybe that's something God would like me to do. So three years after Gary, I came to Japan for a one-year short-term uh, time. And God showed me through that experience that he wanted me here as well. So it's kind of neat that we both had our own time here and call from God before we came as long-term covenant missionaries. So we were married after that in 1980 and sent out in 1983 to Japan. We've been yeah. here. Yeah. Great story. Not only of your personal call and how God wove that together for you as a couple, but also how Japan uh, got to be not just on your radar, but on your heart as a place of service. So thank you. Well, at Bethany, we really want to be, um, a church that is actively sending folks, um, knowing that we each can't ourselves uh, go, but we go uh, by forming partnerships with mission partners like, like you. Uh, as you think about a church that sends well, um, what would be some of the key ingredients to that kind of uh, mission partnership? Uh, what makes you feel well supported? and effectively sent as missionaries? Well, I'd like to just first back it up to when I first felt the call to be a pastor. Bethany sent me um, all expenses paid by um, airplane to go to Chicago when I was in high school to a conference on the ministry at North Park Seminary um, just to encourage me and support me. And then since then, uh, that time becoming a short-term missionary, Bethany was part of my support team. And after getting married, uh, Bethany has been our one of our strong supporting churches, giving and praying, uh, keeping in touch with us, being welcoming when we come back mm -hmm. on a home assignment. And you have stayed the course for all the years that we have been missionaries, getting on towards, uh, well, it's 38 years now. Wow. So, yeah. So encouraging people in your congregation that have an interest in ministry, whether it's local ministries or international ministries, how do you help them have chances to, to discern if that's what God is calling them to be and making those opportunities available? That is so key for a church to do. Well, good. Well, thank you. And, uh, I know that, uh, constant communicate or frequent communication is very helpful. Uh, and near constant prayer, uh, I know, means a lot. And so uh, as we wrap up our time today, I want to ask you, how can we be praying for you? Uh, this would be a good time to hear as well some, some updates in terms of your, your mission work in Japan. Well, we're finishing our mission work in Japan as of March of next year. So we're in a process of getting ready to transition out. Um, I'm teaching a class in missiology, which is the study of God's mission to the world at our Covenant Seminary, uh, right next door to where we live. And that finishes up in September. 
After that, it will be continuing church ministry. I'm mainly working as pastor at um, Shinakitsu Christ Church uh, here in Tokyo. That's a church that lost their pastor uh, over a year ago and been kind of in a crisis mode. And I've been asked to come in and, and help settle things and help get them ready for their next chapter. So a big prayer request is that they will have uh, a chance to call a new pastor next March. Yes, and for me, I'm uh, working at a different church than Gary, the Shonan Community Church, and ministries I'm involved with, whether it's teaching English or working with people at the church, you know, who's going to step up and take over those ministries when um, I leave? Also, I'm on the uh, school board for the Missionary Kids School in Tokyo and ending well there. I've been on there for 23 years. So people are like, you can't go. (laughs) So yes, I can. But, you know, having people step up for the next phase of that um, ministry as well. So in all these things, I think a big prayer request is that we do a good job of saying goodbye of helping the next people move into different positions to become leaders after we're gone. Um, And also um, prayer that we would do well in transition back to the U.S. where we can experience a little bit of reverse. Reverse culture shock, which means I go into the American culture and think, I don't know how to live here. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to cook that big three pound roast because we don't have those in Japan. And how do we find a cell phone that's going to work? All these details. And I really almost need someone to walk alongside me to help me transition to the new culture for me. So um, just pray for that transition out of one culture to another. All right, we will. Well, we will be praying for you uh, in these final months leading up to March. Uh, boy, that's a long, a long and faithful tenure to think about concluding. And so we will pray God's blessings and we'll be taking time during this service specifically to pray for you. So. Thank you for this time. Yeah, thank you and God bless you. Thank you. Yeah, we think about all the uh, bummer moments of the pandemic, but at least we learned Zoom, right? So nice to be able to share that this morning. This mission of the church, this, this mission Jesus has given us, into which we have been co-missioned as brothers and sisters, has not ended. It hasn't ended because the kingdom of God hasn't yet found complete fulfillment here on earth as it is in heaven. There are still disciples to be made, people to be baptized, people to be taught. There's still growth, plenty of growth for us as followers of Jesus. God is still worthy of our worship and praise, and so we continue to gather as his body. We've been co-missioned into this task that seems never-ending, and that's because it won't end until Christ's return. But in the meantime, we know that we are not alone. We have one another as brothers and sisters. We have the Spirit of Christ himself dwelling within us, empowering us and guiding us. And we have a faithful follower, faithful Father, who will provide for all of our needs. Thanks be to God. Would you join me in prayer? Lord Jesus, you have co-missioned us as brothers and sisters, as fellow disciples. You've called us 
to what always feels like a God-sized assignment, and it is, because we serve and follow a good and great God. Jesus, keep our eyes on you. Keep us relying on your Holy Spirit. Keep us trusting in the Father. Show us how and where you want us to serve. Keep us joyful and faithful in answering that call. And Lord, this morning we thank you for the ministry of Gary and Pauline Carlson. We pray that you would especially be at work in them in these months of uh, impending transition as they finish up 38 years of mission and ministry there. So Lord, would you be rising up new leaders to uh, fill important slots as they think about uh, vacating roles of, of teaching and preaching and even the school board. Lord, they will be dearly missed there, and so we pray that you would raise up the church. And Lord, be at work in Gary and Pauline's life, preparing them for uh, the culture shock of transition to life back in America. Would you be preparing them for the next season of life and ministry you have in mind for them? Lord, continue to work in us. We want to be prepared and ready for all that you have in store for us as, as your people whom you love, as your church whom you have called. We pray and ask all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.